this is a sequencing issue. And by that, I mean, that, that might sound a little bit like esoteric, but it's a sequencing issue. Most people will build a business and then say, how can I jam my life into this? How can I fit that in? And what we advocate here is we go the opposite direction. Both questions have to be answered. What kind of business do I want? And what do I want the arc of my life to be as well as a day-to-day experience? It's the sequencing. Start with what's most imperative for your life, that essential purpose, and then let's build a business that we can make sure fits that, right? So we're answering both questions. The question is a sequencing question, which, which comes first, which is prioritize first. Welcome to Clearing Obstacles, the podcast for leaders and those that want to be. You know, it can be a lonely journey when you find yourself confronted by challenges in business. So get ready to take a journey with me as together, we'll hear the stories of real life business owners and begin to unpack some common business challenges from real life situations in a way that's both relatable and actionable for you. We bring to bear decades of entrepreneurial and coaching experience and a full toolbox of resources as we introduce you to those professionals who, like yourself, are working hard to build a healthy business and a healthy team, but then we'll also share the way out of those struggles by clearing the obstacles at their origins, helping you get there from here. Welcome to the Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. On this episode, I had the distinct pleasure of reconnecting with Steph and Jeffrey Chapman from Steph Co. It's a lifestyle brand that you'll get to hear more about in a moment. These two lovely humans are at a bit of a crossroads in their business and their life as they find themselves trying to get clear on the path that's in front of them. The question is, should they reinvigorate their business to a place that they've seen in their recent past that, while rewarding, it was also fraught with some distinct challenges? Or should they proceed with the intentionally scaled down version of that business that they've modified over the past year? It's a decision that will carry some big picture implications for them and We've brought you along in this conversation as we identify some specific ways that will help them come to the best decision that will allow their business to serve their lives. I'm going to let Steph and Jeffrey do a little bit of an introduction for themselves. I'll do it far more eloquently than I could and let them kind of give a little bit of an example. Welcome, you two. I'm so excited to have you. It's great to reconnect. It's good to see you as well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here, Dan. Oh my gosh, it's my privilege. So tell us a little bit about Steph & Co., what you do, how it started, maybe a, a brief evolution of uh, how you got here from there, and then we'll go from past to present and present on to the future. Sound good? Nice. Yeah. So this month, is we're actually celebrating our four-year anniversary. So thinking that, we've been reflecting a lot. I always do that at, our, at these milestones. So four years ago... Jeffrey and I were married. Um, we're coming up on nine years. So this was four years ago. We had three kids at the time that were all really little. And I started this business, um, which we made, we started making handmade clay jewelry. That's what our business started as. It really started as me just wanting to be creative and have an outlet for that. It wasn't supposed to be this business that it turned into. But I think that's why it made it so special. I was just genuinely passionate about what I was doing and yeah. loved giving them to people that I knew. And Jeffrey, he is the entrepreneur among us, um, the natural one, I should say. And <laughs> he was like, I think there's something here. Like, let's build a website. Let's start a, plat- a social media platform. Let's do this thing. And so it really started as a side project I did when my kids were napping and really kind of took off pretty quickly from there. 
Yeah. So our first launch was May of 2019 and we would drop new products once every couple of weeks. Uh, and then they would sell uh, within a few minutes at first, which was really exciting. And then it kind of climbed from there. And she jokes that I'm the entrepreneur, but I pushed back heavily against her when she was originally considering going to Michael's at the time and getting the clay pieces. Cause like, is that really what we spend a couple hundred bucks on? And she won the argument and she was right because yeah, we started, <laughs> started we started selling them online in May. And then over the next year, at the time I worked for, uh, who became a, one guy who became a good friend of mine. That's a, an entrepreneur and has, a kind of infused traction into his business. And so I worked with him four years and we took those same traction principles and applied them into what we were creating with Steph & Co. At the time it was called Clay by Steph. Um, and so we hired our first employees in October of 2019. We hired two, two people on full, uh, full-time to join us. And then it started to grow more and more. We hired another three people in May of 2020. And then I left my job. And joined her full time in July of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then by that time, I think we had 10 people on the team, and Steph and I were running it together. Mm-hmm. And that May was just, I mean, that, from that May 2019 to when I came on board, which is a very exciting yeah. year plus months of just seeing organic growth skyrocket. And with COVID, for our business at least, it was all online, it was all e commerce. So we saw, I remember one drop that we had in. March of 2020, we would uh, release the products and there'd be like 10 to 12 different unique types of products and then maybe 30 to 40 for each of those. So 700 products and we had like 1500 people on on the site all at the same time and it sold out in like 10 seconds. So we're like, it's like a Black Friday. What are we doing? (laughs) So we got to keep doing this. It was amazing. Um, And so that was just a really exciting season in the growth of the business. Um, And I never thought she would be doing this full time, let alone building out a team and training. And we really decided like if I was going, it was hard to maintain my normal work schedule, staying up super late at night, working on the business and my role, we kind of established our swim lanes very quickly of I'll handle the business side, Steph will handle the creative side. And so that's what that first year was really kind of feeling the wind at our backs and like holding on for the excitement of the business and seeing it take off and then really trying to build it out our team, our systems, build out our systems and mechanisms. With Dan's help. With Dan's help. <laughs> we brought that on and um, just giving us advice as we really tried to infuse uh, the traction process into like this company we were building. Yeah. Yeah. Now that traction process, you're referring to the, to the book, Gino Wickman's Tractions, the whole EOS program. I'm a big fan of, we've talked about it on the podcast before we'll probably reference it a few times great book to pick up just for business development if you've never seen it before i mean a ton of great resources out there but i find it to be a, an excellent one you guys did too obviously so um we'll refer that to that i'm sure more than more than a couple of times over the course of this uh, episode so then what happened sounds like it was going great and and thriving and continued to thrive and then so that next year we moved into a retail uh, spot, which was downtown where we lived. And we had retail up and going. We added a ton of new product products to what we were doing. So metal, um, we did in-studio ear piercing and just really diversified what we were doing. And um, so we had that space for about a year. And during that time, we also had another baby, um, our fourth. She's She was our fourth and final. And 
during that time, Jeffrey and I just started having conversations about like, what do we want for our family? What are our values? Where do we want to end up? And we just felt a stirring of, um, we think we want to move. And so holding that intention with this business that was very much rooted to this place that we were in, we really wrestled with that. It, for probably a year and a half, we were having conversations about that. So we finally got to the point where we were like, this is never going to be easy, but we wanted to make the jump. So at the beginning of 2022, we had gone and visited a few places that we thought were good fits for our family. And we ended up uh, picking Nashville. So that's cross-country move for our family. And making that decision also meant that for a season, we were going to have to pull back on the business. And we had made a decision during that time for Jeffrey to start looking for a job to be able to allow us, you know, in these months of transition to not rely so much on the business and what it was bringing in. And so 2022 was a really big, really big transition year for we, our family. Yeah, we rebranded the company because our thought was as we were changing, like our, our, our long-term vision for the company was always to make it less labor intensive than it was with clay jewelry. So the idea was as we started to introduce gold jewelry, silver jewelry, and then eventually clothing, um, because we saw why people were drawn to the brand and was named Clay by Steph, because of uh, like a lot of people were drawn to Steph as the brand. It wasn't Clay by Jeff by any means. Um, and <laughs> so really recognizing if we want to relocate, we need to be able to be a little bit more flexible in our labor-intensive process. We already want to grow the brand in this direction anyways. So we rebranded the company early 2022 as a step towards giving us the flexibility in the long run of leveraging some of the, more of these products that we were offering mm -hmm. that might not require as much overhead in the transition period. And that's when we started to look for a company had reached out to me that I'm at now that uh, kind of service an opportunity at the time. I was like, I'm not leaving. Like, this is what I'm going to do. So and I remember the conversation differently, uh, but it was, uh, it ended up being a great off-ramp for me to be able to join I work at Amazon now, but uh, to, to Amazon to allow us the financial flexibility of, are we going to relocate all the employees with this? We're going to bring some, do we need to maintain eight months of cash flow for uh, just the ability for us to not bring in any revenue uh, and be able to maintain our overhead while we move everyone over? That was like the conversations that we're having yeah. in the midst of this 2022, determining how, if we want to prioritize family, how do we move the family and the business at the same time and our employees? Yeah. yeah. And that rebrand was from Clay by Steph to uh, the current brand, which is Steph & Co., right? Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How'd that transition go? And so you're now in Nashville. You downsized the team. You reevaluated the operations. Maybe tell us a little bit about what's the current state of Steph & Co. now. So currently it is back down to just Jeffrey and I is mm -hmm. kind of how it started. And that's where we're back to. And it has been really, really sweet, Dan. Like, I think we've talked a lot about, and I know we've had conversations with you about wanting the business to serve our life and not yep. feel like it's taken over our lives where it's out of control. And I think in this season of moving our family, we knew, we knew that was going to be hard. We anticipated that would be a big transition for not only us, but also our, our kids. And so we were really intentional saying, you know, let's scale back this operation and 
Jeffrey is going to focus on his full-time job. I'm going to focus mostly on the kids and helping them with this transition. And I still love this business. So I just wasn't ready to like close it down. So currently what that looks like is I do everything like I used to from the production to the emails to uh, social media. Um, Jeffrey handles finances and customer service. And it's really fit beautifully into our lives. And I just want, I feel like we're in a really sweet season, even though it looks so incredibly different than it did a year ago. It just feels like a really good fit for now. Yeah. Yeah. And is it profitable today? I mean, given, given that balance between the overhead and the, and the cost of delivering the goods is significantly down because you've reduced your workforce down to just the two of you, basically, is the revenue still (laughs) producing enough revenue to, to be a going concern? We have a higher net profitability, even accounting for obviously paying ourselves and all that than beforehand. So our percentage is great. That's been encouraging. And that's where like in the midst of this transition, we were kind of on the track for a multi-million dollar revenue, what we were doing versus now we're doing a lot less than that, but our net are significantly better because we were constantly trying to balance reinvesting in the business while paying ourselves an appropriate wage. And so we're doing far less dollar wise, but it's for the hourly pay that we're getting now and the net profitability, it's been great in the season. And we started to explore opportunities to exit at the end of last year as well. And we were thinking, should we sell the business? Should we continue running it ourselves? And the economy obviously turned as well. So there's like multiple like factors involved in the transition from moving from California and how many employees we would bring or what if we'd bring anyone to who we are now. And the economy changing was one factor and seeing numbers start to drop that were KPIs that we've been tracking for a while and trying to figure out what the inputs were that were causing that. And then two, realizing like the market that was interested in purchasing, it's not valuing it the same way they were before. So it's been great all when you consider like we chose to keep it in this way and it's definitely been worth our time and we like working together. It's just uh, yeah. not nearly as much pressure. So like the mental yeah. piece uh, along with it, really nice. Yeah. There's so many like things I loved about running the business those first three years, like having employees, these girls that we were pouring into and just our culture. And there were so many things I loved about that. There were also a lot of pain points with that. And I think it's really sweet in this season. It's not like big and flashy like it used to be, but... I I just, because I've been there, I also really appreciate the simplicity of it. And it just feels fun right now, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a wonderful introduction to all of that. Great setup for, for where you've been, where you're at now. If you could articulate the big question, or in this case, you know, we, we try and frame this as the obstacle to whatever is next. What's the big question that is alive for you guys right now regarding Steph and Co? Because it sounds like it's working well. It's, it's, as you said, it's enjoyable, it's profitable, it serves your lifestyle, but there's still kind of a, a question that's lingering. Can you say more about that? We always had, we may be a loose term. I think with my mental model and how I was approaching this business before and seeing the exponential growth that we were seeing month over month and year over year, like, it was always, how can we continue to scale this in a way like that sets us up in the right place to be a year from now or three years from now? 
and allows us to live like the e-myth. I'm sure you've mentioned that book on here. We can talk more about it later. You can tag it. But that was how we found it originally is we always wanted the business to serve our lifestyle. And while we espouse that or espouse that in terms of like what we were wanting to do, it's still hard for us to maintain that, especially with a young family of four and not feeling like month over month, like we were, I, we would maybe make decisions to reinvest $50,000 into some initiative instead of um, maybe putting in that money elsewhere. And so there was always this pressure of let's keep growing and let's keep deferring some of the benefits of the business until we get to like this two-year mark or this, this mark months from now. We don't have that anymore. And so the, the normal tension that we had beforehand is, is not how much do we want to keep scaling this? It's like, are we content with where we are now? And I think that's the big question, at least for me. My question is, things are pretty great. Like we can continue this for a year or two, like Steph's putting in far less. She's been able to enjoy the investment that she put in over the last four years to be able to put in a little bit less time and energy, but have a much larger output directly into her pocket. And so now the tension is, do we continue with the status quo? Do we want to grow a little bit more? Do we want to stay where we are? Do we want to look for, it's like kind of what's next. And we always had a very clear what's next. And so the ambiguity around that is a little uncomfortable for me because it was always very clear what our three-year picture, one-year picture, quarterly pictures were. And so we kind of removed some of that structure to give some freedom to that. Yeah. It's one of the things I always just so admired about the two of you is, is you're always so intentional in your decisions. You are thinking high level, strategic, big picture, really breaking down the implications of all of the decisions that you're making. And, and it's great to see that you're, you still approach life in exactly the same way. And, and Jeffrey, for you, it sounds like there's still that entrepreneurial itch. It's just kind of that natural tendency. Where do you land on that, Steph? I feel super content <laughs> not knowing what's next. I just think I'm just, like Jeffrey said, I'm just kind of basking in the season of like yeah. it feeling easy. And, but I don't know, like, I don't know the answer to like, where is it going? But I'm also okay with that. I think it bothers Jeffrey a little bit more than it bothers me. So I don't know. I could see me keeping it as is for the next year. I still have one kid at home with me full time. And so just kind of soaking up that last year with her before she's going to go off to preschool. And, um, and then maybe at that point, I know I'm going to have more capacity. And so I can revisit it then and decide, you know, do I want to scale this up now? Do I have more of myself to put into it? But for now, I just feel like it's in a good place. Yeah. What a clear articulation from both of you about what the obstacle, I guess, is. Why don't you keep it just where it is? Is it Jeffrey's itchiness and entrepreneurial tendencies? And that's why this is even a conversation? Or is it even for you, Steph, if you're comfortable with the next year, do you have any tension about maybe even what's beyond that? Or, or are the stakes just kind of low enough that you know it's going to work out kind of no matter which direction you go? Yeah, I feel like I have a piece about it. And again, because it's not our sole income like it used to be. I know we have had several conversations about that, but as a creative, like the pressure of the finance side of it, it stunted my creativity a little bit. And I, I think I definitely pushed through that at different points. And I think I grew a lot in overcoming fear, but being in a season now where there is no pressure, 
it's almost like, I wonder what I can come up with, you know, like, I wonder what I'm going to create next. Like it feels exciting. And like, there's new life breathed into it for me. That's exciting. There is always a tension with creatives of what's the next thing I'll create. It's almost like a sibling or a close relative of entrepreneurship, isn't it? Right. That there is an entrepreneurial itch to the creative process because what they both have in common is this appetite for creating something, bringing something to the world that's born of you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think entrepreneurs in general have that tendency as well. So you guys definitely have that overlap there when it comes to the, uh, the appeal. There's a great book I'm just beginning right now and it's pretty hot right now. It's, oh gosh, what is it? Oh, it's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. It's Rick Rubin. If you guys haven't read it, you got to check it out. It's a podcast with Malcolm Gladwell on it. It sounds like a great book. Great podcast, isn't it? That was a really, really good one. Yeah. Don't pause this podcast if you're listening, but cue it up <laughs> for your next listen. It's, it's exactly. outstanding. Mal- yeah. Malcolm Gladwell and Rick Rubin. Anyway, that book is outstanding in the way that he you know, you would think with the title, The Creative Act Way of Being, you would think it just relates to, and he's a, you know, incredibly successful music producer, and you would think it would have something to do with just artists or, or even music. And it goes so far beyond that. It really goes into even business ownership, it goes into anything that you bring to the world from your own heart, from your own soul, from your own observation of the world around you. And like I said, I think that's where that overlap exists. I want to expound upon the book. They, Ruben does that much better by himself, but it's kind of where my head is at. So it kind of keys me into that, that common theme between the two of you. Mm-hmm. So let's get, let's get a little precise here, unless there's something else you guys want to add to that. Yeah, let's do it. If there was an obstacle to clear, it's like the, the, the question is, what's the next path we take from here that will both align with our lifestyle I love the way you said it. It's a tagline, right? Get your business to serve your life. Getting precisely obstacle being what's next in such a way that we can nurture that creative spirit that exists in both of you. We can nurture that creative spirit and still serve that thing that stands at the pinnacle of our priorities, which for you guys is family, right? Lifestyle, day-to-day reality. and. What's a process that you would go through to make that decision, to make that determination about the future trajectory? Do you kind of have a process just intuitively that you, that you exercise to, to make a decision like that? I feel like our current mechanism is we do these questions every Saturday morning before the kids get up. Seven questions that we just ask each other about like our week, what brought us joy, all that. And that usually surface like one of them. Is there anything that was hard for you? Or um, is there, like that is typically one that might surface like has the rhythm of the business going. And so typically that has been our our backstop in lieu of a weekly meeting or what we would normally do as a business to stay in touch. That's been a way for us to surface like, hey, how have you liked your relationship with the business this week? I think there is some sort of pinnacle though that we could like. That's just more of a passive like how was it this week? We don't know, but there's not a lot of guardrails quite yet on like ensuring. I think where I, where I see the tension for us, on like what's the obstacle here is if I start to overreach a little bit and maybe put some expectations on like, Hey, conversion rate was super good on that product. Like, why don't we do another one next week and like see how much we can tap into this. And that's when it's like, well, 
what does Steph want to do with the business right now? And like, what's best for Steph's relationship with the business? And that kind of, uh, Steph alluded to that a little bit, the tension of having to work outside of the creative mindset at times in order to keep the engine going on the business, maybe generate revenue for the sake of generating revenue, which is a great thing. But when we were operating it as how the business originally started as like making clay earrings in the kitchen, all of a sudden we were supporting this huge overhead and there was that pressure I think on a micro, like uh, at a micro level, that can happen now when there's not clear swim lanes on expectations for the business um, and like how we want to roll with the business moving forward. It's easy for me to see. Well, like I see things pop up. Let's push into that. Let's do that a little bit more right now. And Steph might say, "Let's not do that." And I think it's not clear. Like if we are aligned on this is where we are for this season. It's kind of just been an unspoken week to week coming back to that point of how do we feel like we like the business this week? Right. Steph, when, when you say let's, when Jeffrey says, Ooh, let's lean into that, that produced great revenue and you have some resistance to that. What's that friction about? I think I'm in my like free spirit era. <laughs> <laughs> That's the issue. Is I don't want like to put, I, I don't know. I just, I have loved that. And maybe I felt a little bit drained after the first three years of the business. And so I want to lean into this, like, oh, I had a dream last night about something I want to do. And I didn't plan to do this. I'm going to carve out time. and I'm just going to create this thing. And then I'm going to just, how it does. Like I'm kind of in that season and so, and it prioritizes maybe the creative over the like what will bring in the most money. It does, yes. Well put, right, right. It's the conundrum with artists. It is, it is. Uh, like a lifetime ago, I, 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 for a very, very, very short period of time, I entertain. I'm, uh, I, I love pottery, and and used to fancy myself a potter. I haven't picked it up in a long time, but I remember being confronted with that reality of. As much as you love the creative process, there comes a point where it becomes about production and the art kind of gets, not kind of, the art entirely gets compromised. Sure, you're still creating this beautiful mug or this vase on the potter's wheel, but now you have to make, you know, 300 of them by the end of next week. And that that really stifles the creativity. Yeah, sure, it's still a, a creation of yours, but it's not born of the same spirit, is it? Right. Completely. And I think uh, that's just a different paradigm that we've had before of like, uh, I, I hear that. I think, oh, well, like a business isn't supposed to be that way. Like you have, you have the responsibility to do X, Y, and Z. And so it's been, hum- it's been growing in a lot of ways of like listening to her here more here for like, Hey, I did it your way for a while. Let's try doing it. So one of the, one of the places we always start, especially in a coaching engagement is um, in, in, my practice, it's a it's a, an exercise I call the essential purpose, and it's really defining just that for yourself. Um, and and each individual person needs to do those. So you guys run the business together as a married couple, but you each would do your own essential purpose exercise. And and the thrust of that is articulating in explicit detail exactly what matters to you, your values, your beliefs, your priorities, the the what you want your day to look like on a on a moment to moment basis, the longer arc of your life. We're really like and and that might sound like a given for a lot of folks, but for the majority, they don't start with that question. Right? This is a sequencing issue. 
And by that, I mean, that, that might sound a little bit like esoteric, but it's a sequencing issue. Most people will build a business and then say, how can I jam my life into this? How can I fit that in? And what we advocate here is we go the opposite direction. Both questions have to be answered. What kind of business do I want? And what do I want the arc of my life to be as well as a day-to-day -day experience? It's the sequencing. Start with what's most, most imperative for your life, that essential purpose. And then let's build a business that we can make sure fits that, right? So we're answering both questions. The question is a sequencing question, which, which comes first, which is prioritized first. And so you guys, as I know you, uh, at least the last time we engaged, you, you're both pretty clear on that. You sound pretty clear on that today. I mean, you're having these conversations, like you said, every Saturday morning, a, a seven question series to, to basically take emotional inventory. Do you feel like you have a pretty good grasp on that? Where it stands today, your essential purpose? Yeah, I do. How do you feel? Sure. Yeah, I do. I think so. <laughs> I think I, uh, I think I'm always curious about what's next. Right. So I think I have a good grasp of where I am now. And I'm just excited for what's next. It's hard because it's not clear to me what's next in this as well. Mm. In terms of like working at a different company and all that. So I think that's where it's like, oh, I'm, I, I feel I have good emotional inventory of where I am now. And I know that I'm hoping that excited to see whatever comes up next and what that adventure looks like. Cool. And, and lean into that a little bit. It's, a little less that, that essential purpose exercise is a lot less about the how about the mechanics of what yeah. of how you're going to get there and it's and it's far more about the let's paint a picture of what that looks like right and so so i just want to draw a, a, a distinction between the two um the essential purpose in fact has very little room for the how it's it's just paint the picture of your utopia of your own personal you know highest level of of purpose and and what brings you value to your life so you're both pretty clear on that. And if you were to establish a hierarchy, right? We, we like to liken this process almost to triage. Um, sometimes the, the dynamics are, are very different depending upon the business. But if we were to triage for you guys, highest level of importance, of course, is family and just kind of your day-to-day -day emotional well-being, right? Low pressure and creativity as an outlet expound on those of what am i missing and and maybe what am i misstating i think family for sure i think also like community and like our impact on the community and relationships i and that we can do as a family we often do as a family um so i think that is up there as well which takes time and investment and something special more when you're new to a brand new place um yeah. it feels like you have to invest in it a lot in the beginning without necessarily seeing a lot come out yeah. um yeah. so I think that's a big priority for us this year it's kind of getting reestablished in this new um city I think creativity for me but what would you say what would be like that for you I think creativity I guess this is maybe the distinction that you drew and this is the how I think I think mine's creativity, but it's just in a different way or just yeah. um, creating things and seeing them grow. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that gets me really energetic. And that can be in a number of different fields. Uh, yeah. It doesn't have to be entrepreneurship, but um, seeing the potential in something and wanting to bring it into actuality, that's where I see my creativity, like just thinking about things and, and uh, businesses and how they could grow or all that. So 
that's where I see like my creative side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Manifesting the potential of something. Yeah, certainly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Those all seem pretty clear. The challenge of solving a problem that is as big as this, this isn't just like, hmm, should we hire that assistant or not? Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, uh, although that's, that can really occupy somebody's mind, of course, this is big. This is like, we're talking kind of big picture for your, for your lifestyle, for your livelihood, for your family's well-being, for your contributions to your community and on and on as, as you were elaborating on. And I want to emphasize this. Most folks when approaching a challenge like this will lean more heavily on one than the other of these two fundamentals, the data and the intuition. Right. A lot of people will tap into their intuition and say, well, this just feels right. And they have no data or numbers or metrics to support it. And they'll just leap and hope that the net appears. Right. And others, just the other way around, they'll look at the data, they'll evaluate it and, and assess trends and economic factors and on and on, and not really listen to what's in their heart and, and in their gut. And that that other part of the mind that goes outside of the brain, the intuition part. And, and what I'm advocating for with this is, is making sure that there's a proper balance between the two, that you're really giving both a proportionate amount of weight in the decision, right? And so let's, let's jump into that a little bit. You, you guys, I, what, again, and the thing I know about you is you're meticulous in your data. You're so thorough and you have you kept your scorecards and business metrics and evaluate social media um, success versus not. I mean, you guys were just so great at keeping track of those KPIs, key performance indicators. And so you've got an abundance of data for how it performed in the past. And that's great, but it's, it's in the rear view, right? It, it's, it will inform the future what's outside the windshield down the road, but it's not the absolute. So we're always kind of like trying to polish up that crystal ball and be able to see as clearly into the future as you can based on previous experience, previous data. And so you're both clear on data and on intuition. So here's my question. Do you guys feel like you are balancing those? You are considering those in a proper proportion and nobody's here to say what that proper proportion is other than you and, you know, objective outsiders so people you trust uh, friends family members coaches whatever you've got that um can kind of advise you on on your blind spots there so but what's your guys take on that we obviously both have a little but i think i lean more towards intuition and i think you lean more towards data i think in the season i know you've tried to bring up some conversations before of like hey let's look at the return rate on on these pieces so that can inform what you buy in the future, like different things like that. So I definitely think we can, I can hone in more on the data without it feeling too suffocating. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I think uh, to your point, Dan, we've kind of gone from one pendulum to another where we were very data heavy. All of our meetings revolved around ensuring our KPIs were on track for our goals and suffocating, right? That's what you kind of just said, right? That was like, we lived and died by the scorecard, which is great, but we didn't have to have that pressure. Like I, we, that was a lot of internalized pressure put on ourselves, which made the creativity. And so going to the other extreme now of, which just kind of be more laissez-faire and see how things go. I think there could be a better middle ground there, which I think you're getting yeah. at of how do we look at the metrics, 
but in a more um, informing way to the future, kind of like how you described, Dan, as opposed to this is our paradigm and we're trapped by if the scorecard is green or red on this KPI. We were just having this conversation last week because Jeffrey was realizing, like the example I used, that was a real one. So he was realizing like this collection that we did, it was a clothing collection, a bunch of dresses. There was a really high return rate on a few. And so he's like, what is the best way for me to communicate this with you? <laughs> because I think he knew that I was like, this is doing these things. And in the past, it was a formal like meeting. We'd sit right. down and yeah. and we talk about it's a it. given. We're going to scale this because it was successful. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was a little like, how about you send me a voice memo? Because <laughs> 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 me the important information and I'll keep that in my head. Like, yeah. so we're kind of finding, I mean, that seems silly, but we really are trying to find new ways to do things that, love that. fit better with where we're yeah. at. That's fantastic. I love this total side note. I love that. How can I communicate this to you in a way that's going to be most effective and, and, <laughs> and align, align with your communication style the best? I just love that. Okay. So, so you got a finger on the pulse of the data. You both have a pretty clear sense of what your intuition is. We're really seeking that balance. I'm going to throw one more criteria, if you will, or one more, one more angle of looking at this. And and it's a little bit more esoteric, and but it's something that we might usually find with, say, journaling. I'm sure that you could put this on a scorecard of KPIs too, but your day-to-day -day experience over the course of those four years where this thing was just growing, 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 and your day-to-day -day experience and, and getting really clear and precise on what those challenges were, what, you know, what were those days like on both hands? What were those days like for you when you felt the world was your oyster and everything was just humming along and then there was a team, you know, everything was, was gelled and everybody was, was in their space and, and owned their role and, and you guys were all comfortable. And conversely, reconnecting emotionally, again, sort of into this intuition piece, reconnecting emotionally with the day-to-day -day challenges. What were those days like when you're like, I don't even want to get out of bed. It is a job today. This is not, right? This is not a passion. This is a job. And, and the, we didn't have any of this, Dan. We didn't have really? Really? Interesting. <laughs> wow. Well, you should, you should uh, write a book then or something. Um, <laughs> I seem to recall a couple now and again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, my God, that's just the experience of business ownership. Sometimes like we're just always trying to balance that, right? It's never going to be easy, but we have to evaluate, is it worth it? That's the question ultimately that you guys are seeking. If I could like, from my direction anyway, if I could put right. my words to it, it's never going to be easy, but would it be worth it if we fill in the blank? That's right. what we're trying to answer. Mm -hmm. And and so re again, reconnecting, sure, there's data and intuition both wrapped up in that. What, what were those experiences like? This is why I'm just enormous advocate for journaling. I think you guys actually do your own journaling, right? Do, are you still using the um, focus planner, Michael Hyatt version? Focus, yeah. yeah. Full focus, big shout out to Michael Hyatt's team for putting that together. That thing's excellent. Um, one of many, but going back and reconnecting with that version of yourself and taking a look at those, almost extracting those as emotional KPIs. That will give you a high def version of what that reality is like. The more distance we get from those things, we have a tendency to be selective in our memory of them. And so going back and kind of reconnecting with what that was like and, and who you are today, 
grown significantly, made a life transition, moved, priorities probably tweaked a little bit. And so you have, you would have a different approach to those challenges today that you did then, right? Again, we're taking what's in the rear view and projecting that down the road. And, and would those patterns reemerge and would we handle them differently for the negative and for the positive, right? Same, going through the same exercise. How did those fulfilling, blissful experiences show up for us? And what could we do to replicate those into the future? And, and taking a good hard look at that and, and, and asking the right questions there. I like that idea of an emotional KPI on the scorecard, just like smiley face or sad face today. Like, how do you yeah. feel? Right, right. And knowing that both are normal and both are okay. That, 100%. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily signal, you know, like and that you need to make a change unless maybe, and I think this is kind of where we got to where it was a lot of sad faces for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of one of those things where we're like, we, we need to talk about this. Like something isn't working. It's a different um, pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of having the uh, assessment of like what's underneath this after you see what's the correlation to like the emotional KPIs of how am I feeling about the business today? What do I feel right. Was that I think oftentimes that was correlated to, like we were saying, the performance of how things were going. Whereas now mm-hmm. we don't have that pressure, mm-hmm. as we alluded to. So like now really wanting to double click into what do I like about the business? Right. Which is not fun. Like I have to do a launch I've already scheduled on Friday because I know it's going to bring in X amount of revenue. But I woke up and I had this idea and I'm going to just push the other thing. I'm going to prioritize this because that's what I want to do. And mm-hmm. being okay with that and seeing like this is, this is a perk of where we are today. Right. And emotionally serve me. Yeah, I think that's a good, it's easy for me to get very narrow in what I think is right and what I think is wrong and how one business should operate. <laughs> and not that I know all that about businesses, but uh, I think it's uh, it's been easy for me to be stuck in my ways in a lot of ways in this scenario. So that's helpful. I love the, the word you use, Jeffrey, co- the correlation between the circumstances and the emotional impact. Mm-hmm. That requires, that requires some honest conversation with somebody that you deeply trust. And in your guys' case, you're both sharing some of those experiences, not all of them, but you're sharing some of those experiences. One thing I'll point out, you guys are, you guys are really well positioned, right? This isn't a live or die uh, in your family's livelihood decision. You, you have some runway here. You have a little bit of flexibility and an ability to, to run some test cases. What do you think some of those might look like? What do you think it might look like to run a, run a sample, run a low risk assessment of what it might look like to bring Steph and co into a, some kind of a growth stage again, big, little, whatever, somewhere in between, but what are, what are some ways that you can think of, of running some low risk trial runs and, and identifying the criteria to determine, hey, is this working or not? I decided in January that I wanted to take a six-week social media break. So I switched just to emails only. That was kind of how I was doing my launches, kind of testing that out and seeing how I liked it. Then we can do videos and just try something new and see, we can track the data. We can see what people are clicking through and opening and are they commenting and responding and all of that. So um, I definitely think we'll go back to that and know that I think that proved that we could do it that way. 
it was different and, but I don't know, it was an option. And so even this summer we were talking, we're going to do a cross country road trip with our kids and I'll take a month off. But what if in that month I just engaged in newsletters? So I think that's one of them. Maybe yeah. just trying new, like diversifying again and trying new things that I wasn't bold enough to try before. Like I've kind of got into fiber arts. So doing yarn and wool. And I mean, that's completely like, I have no experience in that or training, but just dabbling with it and putting it out there. And even if it's just in a story and seeing people's interactions with, do you like this? Like, is this, do you want to see more of this? So I think it's, I think I feel braver when there's not as much writing on the, on the business. Yeah. It's a luxury. A lot of business owners don't have. And I say luxury because the reality is a lot of people are, you know, their financial well-being lives and dies by the performance of their business. You guys fortunately don't have quite that constraint. I mean, there's still, I'm sure plenty at stake. I don't mean to in any way demean what, what is going on there. There's still a significant investment always going on financially and energetically, but I love that you're doing that, that kind of a low risk agile test where you can just, just right? The test balloon, just launch it, see what happens. And if we, if we decide to drop that, then we drop it and, and we're no worse off necessarily. Yeah. And I think that's like wisdom that we've gained through working with you through just years of doing this business is I don't think Stephanie in year one would have been brave enough to try that regardless of what was on the line. But I think just being like comfortable with failure of like, you know what, I tried that and it didn't work. Like, okay, like moving on, you know, where I think I, I don't think I could have said that about myself in the beginning. So that's cool to see the growth. What do you think are some other ways you could test that next iteration, that next model, some low risk tactics, if you will, approaches so that again, and remember, we're always comparing against that backstop of our essential purpose of of what your priorities are what you want your day-to-day to feel like i'm almost envisioning like a way to leverage your mutual strengths of data and intuition and create sort of a a new scorecard if you will of each of these initiatives and they will include of course the different metrics relative to those priorities that you said right family community and impact creativity and and manifesting the potential of something, having even some of those more intangible, esoteric concepts, if you will, on a scorecard. And what was my day-to-day like during this month trial of the newsletter only? What was my day-to-day like in launching a, a abbreviated fiber arts kind of product? What do you think about that? Putting a scorecard together with Again, the financial impact, of course, this is a business. This, uh, this does require some kind of uh, return on the investment, but also some of the less tangible elements on a scorecard. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I, I think um, it would be helpful to define like what part of my essential purpose do I want to be measuring as part of this scorecard in the sense of like what feelings do I want to have maybe associated with this? Like to your point, like the luxury privilege that we have now of we don't have to have a certain revenue um, to feel like the business can operate where we want it to be. But taking this season that we're in with this business to then really define what guardrails we want to build in terms of like our relationship to the business and defining those intangible things that we want to be monitoring. Like when do we feel like we're in the sweet spot again? 
bot, like doing this fiber art thing. If it's, I don't know, I woke up X amount of times happy this week and excited to work. Like, right, beautifully put. They'll be specific with these intangible KPIs, but then we can really look back and see not just how am I feeling now after this month, but like how was I feeling throughout this month and not Mm. just have any like recency bias or anything associated with it. I think that'd be helpful because we don't have that now at all. Yeah, beautifully put. I'll just commit right now. We'll have a sample scorecard, if you will, um, attached to some collateral. Um, when you click on, when you go to clearingobstacles.com, we'll provide kind of a sample scorecard of, of some of the different criteria that one might actually put together for something like that. Again, that involves the tangible as well as the intangible, the, the data as well as the intuition. And it might be another way of putting it, the factual and the emotional, whatever I could go on and on but but the that <laughs> contrast so that we're evaluating those and in your case specifically that might just need to be redrawn again as i recall you guys have a really well put together one but that might be for the business as it is there may be a, a different scorecard for a beta program of of Steph and co and what you know q's three and four of 2023 might involve what are you measuring against because those the that scorecard is going to be different than it was that you know than it has historically been yeah that's a great point okay so we'll put it we'll put together a sample and and you can download that again at clearingobstacles.com okay so let's circle back and at least try and tie this up so that there's some kind of a question and a an approach or at least the next steps regarding that so so the big question that we identified at the beginning of the call the obstacle if you will is what should this business look like going forward six months from now a year from now whatever what are our next steps for this and and those are some big decisions lifestyle decisions essential purpose-based decisions and so the the remedy if you will for this looks a little something like taking past performance both data and emotional and bringing that forward into future predictions if you will and as clearly as we can. Nobody has a clear crystal ball, but we, we want to at least polish it as much as we can. So identifying some clear set of criteria, KPIs uh, would be a, a kind of a clinical way of addressing that. And I think that's great, a scorecard of some kind to actually measure as much as you can the intuitive and emotional elements and how those, again, uh, again the litmus test here is how do those align? We're, we're developing this based on how does this align with what our essential purpose is? What really matters the most to us in, in terms of priorities? That seemed like a good next step for this kind of a decision. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. What are we missing? I do think this will provide a lot of clarity, which is what we have not had on even like how are we measuring now and the actual health of the relationship they have with the business because it's been on that week-to-week cadence and it has been somewhat arbitrary to be able to now tie it to like, these are the things that I actually liked about the business this week. And this is what I did not like. Um, And this is what I want to change moving forward. So that's what I think will be really beneficial out of this um, more uh, approachable scorecard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to elaborate one more point here. So uh, if you'll indulge me, the three pillars that we're always measuring against uh, in my coaching, best self coaching program and clearing obstacles are relationships, expectations, and balance. Relationships, those, those are sometimes with people, of course, uh, relationship to yourself, relationship to 
sometimes concepts like what's my relationship to my community? What's my relationship to finance, to data, to things like that, right? So sometimes they're, they're more esoteric. They're not necessarily relationships with my kids uh, or my partner. And the second one being expectations. What expectations do I have or would I have of this business going forward? What expectations, Jeffrey, would I have of you? Steph, what would I have of you? And kind of running it through that filter as well. What expectations would I have of our really loyal, wonderful, devoted customer base? So relationships and expectations. And then that last one being balance. Is all of this balanced in a way that, like I, I said earlier, you know, it's always going to be hard, but is it worth it in, in a way that, and worth it, the criteria being, does this align with my essential purpose? Those three pillars right there, that's, again, that's always a good, another really good way to evaluate the situation you're in, the business you're in, is relationships, expectations, and balance. You'll probably hear me talk about that in future episodes. But run, running it through those filters also might be a good like I said, a good litmus test, a good way to gauge and inform the decision going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Put something else out there on that too. That will be part of the downloadable <laughs> materials as well after this call. Um, so keep an eye out for that. You guys, I have just been, again, so happy to see both of your smiling faces and get a chance to experience you again. It's been, it's been a minute since we've talked. And so I'm just infinitely grateful to you for taking the time today. And I know you've got a lot going on. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. This has been really fun. Yeah. We'll have to have you back if, if you make a decision to whatever the decision is, right. As to what that, (laughs) what that outcome was. Anyway, thank you again, everybody for listening to the Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you on the next one. We hope you've gotten the value you were looking for on today's episode. And if you want more like this, please subscribe to the Clearing Obstacles podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can go to clearingobstacles.com for more information. And there you'll find links to other episodes, as well as how you can get in touch with us to set up your own customized coaching experience on a regular basis to clear your own obstacles. Your business should serve your life. So let us help you get there from here because nobody should do this on their own. We also want to thank you for listening and gratefully acknowledge everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to our Supreme Assistant and Navigator, Noah Wertheiser, to Arctic E for the brilliant musical themes of Clearing Obstacles, and to the team at Hivecast for your amazing work and legendary patience.